HuntStand is the most popular and functional mobile hunting app on the market. With a variety of base maps to choose from, satellite imagery that is updated every month, the ability to check the weather, no property information, and even catalog your trail cam picks, HuntStand even gives you the ability to import pins and location markers from other mobile apps. Visit HuntStand.com or download wherever you download your apps. Enter discount code SN20 at checkout for 20% off. The Houndsman XP podcast is fueled by Joy Dog Food. Joy Dog Food has a rich tradition of supporting the Houndsman of America. Founded in 1945, Joy is proud of its history and the relationship it has built with the American Houndsman. And in 76 years, there's never been a recall. Made with 100% American-made high-quality ingredients, Joy Dog Food has one of the highest calorie-dense formulas on the market. For 76 years, this made-in-America product has kept hunting dogs in the field day after day, season after season. And when we say made in America, Joy has a long track record of fighting for American freedoms by being on the front lines against the animal rights movement and their extremist tactics. Joy will fuel your hounds and fight for your freedoms, fueled by Joy. The Houndsman XP Podcast Network is powered by Cajun Lights. All of your lighting needs for hunting can be taken care of at Cajun Lights. They have three models of cap lights. I'm going to run through them real quick. You've got the Rogueroo, which is their high-end light. If you're a competition hunter and you got to find that coon up in a tree and it's all riding on finding that coon, you'll want the Rogueroo on your head. Next is the Bayou. That's a pretty standard light, but it's got packed with features. It's got multiple colors. It's got walking lights. It's got the red, the green, the amber. It's all built in right into that light. And then you have one of my personal favorites, the Micro Gator. The Micro Gator is an ultra lightweight cap light. It's got all the features of a white light, red, green, and amber. I've used this light for everything from finding bear tracks early in the morning to coon hunting at night to working on plumbing in the house changing tires on the side of the road my truck doesn't leave the driveway without a cajun light in it and that light is the micro gator every cajun light is durable made from the highest quality components and it is backed by cajun's top rated customer service check out cajun lights you can go to our website at houndsmanxp.com go to our sponsors page hit that link it'll take you right to cajun lights check them out they got a lot of stuff to offer over at Cajun Lights. You know, we all have that one special dog hanging out on the porch. He's just a little bit of this and a little bit of that. All these things you like coming together to make one superb dog. That was exactly what we had in mind when we made this show. Welcome to All Mixed Up. I think this is one of the first All Mixed Up episodes, Chad, that we recorded the pre-roll right after we recorded the show. <laughs> let's not, let's not, let's not make this a habit. You know, it's almost too efficient. <laughs> it's, it's too, uh, 
too professional. I don't know. If, I don't know if that's our style. <laughs> we just had an awesome talk. We were going to split up the all mixed up into two different segments. And we were like, nope, we're going to run this one as its own segment. Ernest was a awesome guest. And I really enjoyed talking to him um, about yeah. his dogs. You know, I would say probably one of the most honest guys I've heard talk about his dogs before. Like, you know, <laughs> which I hugely value now yeah you know, you know? i always well what, what are your dog's weaknesses oh they're not uh sometimes they're you know if you don't want a dog that's the best you know my dogs aren't for you because they're the best. <laughs> you know, like, like shut up you know but like Ernest was real you know like this Super is what real. they're good at this is what they're you know this is some of their weaknesses you know like just <laughs> that was refreshing you know it was that's a great way to put it that was refreshing <laughs> and i also just love you know so stay, uh everybody this this month's episode of all mixed up uh is going to be about uh afghan hounds about sight hounds so my sight hound hunters uh we all know that this is a breed that's definitely out on the fringe of the commonplace of a of a hair coursing dog in america and uh i had met Ernest out in the field uh, he's a cool guy i knew i wanted to have him on the show and uh, he is doing his best to breed great Afghan hounds for coursing hares. And I just wanted to pick his brain. He's got a lot of experience. And and indeed, it was a brain to pick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was it was it was interesting to hear his perspective. And I, I also love, you know, he he started in Panama and the young mind. I, I love how he was just like, you know what, we're going to try to just catch anything with them. And let's just yeah. see what they can do. And and they made do with what they had. And I really thought that was awesome. It's kind of how I started. So it was it fast was fun dog, right? Kaya Capybaras, go for it, man. <laughs> yeah. You know, like so it's a Rottweiler with beaver teeth, man. <laughs> right? <laughs> you know? <laughs> that swims in the water like a hippo. Like, yeah. you know, it's, it's like oh a hippo gosh. rat. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, That's awesome. Gosh. Yeah. Um, so I, I just, uh, I'm still processing it all. It was, it was so, there was just so much good stuff in there and it's interesting how, you know, and this is just a, a give some food for thought as you're about to roll into the episode, you guys, these are very, very primitive dogs, not the Afghan hound. I mean, sight hounds in general, even the more refined ones, they're still hunting, living, and acting in a way that's very old, very primitive. And uh, this dog, especially these country of origin dogs, they're very, very old school. And so just have a listen to how Ernest talks about these dogs and how this form to function has served our ancestors for millennia and how we're bringing it into the modern world. I think that's a an interesting yeah, it's an interesting thought, and it is a popular thing in the sighthound community. Yeah, yeah, it's something like when he and he went into the. Uh, well, I don't want to give it away. That's a good pre-roll, right? We want to we want to uh, to talk about it. So I say this: let's just roll right into it, and we'll talk about it after the listeners have listened to it. Let's do it. Yep. Here we go. I want to know when that turning point in my life was that I started drinking seltzer water. I used to think they were so disgusting. And then one day I drank a LaCroix, LaCroix, whatever, however you want to pronounce it. And it was good. And now I drink them all the time. And I just, when did that, what happened? What happened? 
<laughs> did you have anything like did you drink any battery acid and just like kill your taste buds <laughs> entirely i think uh, i started to see my long house growing and i was like <laughs> i need to switch away from soda and increase my sparkling water intake <laughs> <laughs> yeah so, we got a we got a great guest you guys today um as you guys know i i had uh done some of my first nafka events this this spring or i'm sorry this uh yeah i guess spring and winter uh this coursing season with my two salukis strider and comet and while i was out there i met a great cast of characters and met some really good people one of them is here with us today <laughs> Ernest. if you want to introduce yourself brother tell us a little about yourself and uh what you like to do with dogs? Well, my name is Ernest Abrish, and I was born in Panama to a military family. And might as well tell you how it started. So while I was there, I got to meet Michael O'Neill. His father was a colonel in the Air Force then. And He happened to have an Afghan that his brother brought over from Florida. He was kicked out of Florida for dubious things. <laughs> but he brought, this, he brought this Afghan down. And so uh, I happened to get, I happened to have gotten a puppy great name. And he had this German shepherd that he had brought from Germany. And we had this Afghan. So we had this idea that we were going to go up into this uh, mountain. Eh, it's a small mountain. It was called Sosa Hill. And we were going to hunt the great capybaras. <laughs> and so we figured, yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> so you figured, we figured, well, the Afghan named Mishpa would chase it down. Saber, being the intelligent one, would, you know, hedge it in my puppy great thing. We don't know what she was going to do. So we went out into the mountains and we were looking for them and we saw a couple of them and we chased them and nothing happened. You know, we didn't catch anything, but I was kind of mesmerized by this dog, you know, cause I've never seen an Afghan before. So, you know, um, graduated from school, joined the army. Then I happened to get hurt and I was sent to Walter Reed Hospital. And it just ha happens that Michael was living near Walter Reed, and he had Afghans. So he introduced me to this great breeder named Wally Paday. And I said, you know, maybe I should get an Afghan. So I went to meet this guy. He was a no-nonsense type of guy. Saw his dogs, and they were amazing. If you know anything about, well, the old kennel he had, Scheherazade, was well-known, um, really nice dogs. And he invited me to dinner because he was sizing me up, and he said, you know, an Afghan would kind of be a good thing to have for you to recuperate in Panama. Because I didn't mention it, but I got hurt in the Army, and I was in the hospital for almost a year. So I got to Panama, and my Afghan came. His name was Fleetwood. That's a good name, actually. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, I went to a couple of shows, but I never was really prepared because I was doing different things with them. But I took him out different places. He was an interesting boy, too. <laughs> Junior Quiet. 
one of the <laughs> So he he would get he would jump this little fence I had and he would be taken off down this railroad track. He always went the same way. And my friends, you know, so when you live in the canal zone, everybody knows everybody. And he'd always be somebody would always be bringing him back. Generally, the, like the police, he goes, Ernie <laughs> Fleetwood was going down the railroad track with a pack of dogs after him. <laughs> so so that was Fleetwood and. Fleetwood passed away, but before, you know, I realized how much I love this dog. So <laughs> I know this is not very nice, but I was dating this girl and I took her to the mountains and we rented this cabin. And uh, he was, I don't think Fleetwood was like on 10 months old. And he fell in this raging creek and my girlfriend at that time, she jumped in and got him out, you know, and she was coming out. They were shivering. Water was really cold. So I got a bunch of towels. And who do I start cleaning first and drying them out? <laughs> Not the girl. <laughs> <laughs> hey, let me, how old were you when you guys started to try to capybara hunt? And I just want to let everyone know, a capybara is the world's largest rodent, and a full-grown one can weigh up to 100 pounds. I mean, this is a big <laughs> animal. With like, how old were you? <laughs> uh, maybe I was a junior in high school, so maybe seventeen or eighteen. Um, I think about it. Uh, no, I was seventeen years old, I believe. So that does uh, sound like something high schoolers would come up with. Hey guys, well, I got yeah, these we... three dogs. I got a German Shepherd, a Great Dane, and an Afghan. Let's go try to catch giant water rats. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, know, did they ever make contact with the capybara or no? Oh, you know, so we were in the jungle. You know, so if you don't know about, you know, the rainforest of Panama, how it could be, and we just hear crashing and you know dogs barking and yelling and you really can't see you can't see anything but we know they didn't catch anything because they came back and they were not bloodied or anything but you know i think for us at that time i don't know if we had expectations of catching anything yeah it was just awesome <laughs> yeah it was you know it's like yeah that's what we do and it was the chase you know and hearing the noise and everything but but so when I moved back to, when I moved, so when I, I moved back and it's really funny because Michael, uh, he was always at a place where I would miss him. I moved to, I moved to Colorado and he had just left Colorado. So I, I get to California and I move into Santa Barbara. I had surfer friends of mine and I went there and I call his mom and he goes, oh, yeah, he lives up in the uh, Canto Hill. So I call him, tutor form. We don't pay our phone bills. <laughs> so <laughs> I went up there. I walked up. I hiked up about two miles. And he had Afghans. And he had he had these Afghans that he had gotten from Colonel Fidei years ago. And Michael had done all kinds of things with the Afghans. So I got an Afghan from uh, Wally Bidet, we got an Afghan. And so I try showing, but the universe intervened because I was too poor to afford the entry fees. 
and I wasn't going to mess around with shampoo products. (laughs) (laughs) What are you talking about, Ernest? You're beautiful. I can tell you use head and shoulders, bro. (laughs) Well, so, well, we had gone to this show. I remember we went to this show in uh, Santa Maria and we had camped out in Morro Bay. And I remember that everybody was complaining and saying, the dogs are scratching. They got fleas or something. Well, we brought, I think it was us that brought fleas. To the oh. dogs. <laughs> but we go in the ring and we go into this ring with one of the Afghans. And we were getting ready to leave. And these ladies said, where are you guys going? You know, you won this class. Oh, we don't know what the heck we won. But we go in and we won. We got a point. I don't know what that means at that time. But just before we leave, these gals say, uh, can we talk to you about pin brushes and shampoos? <laughs> <laughs> and what we had been doing is we had been in the mountains. And, uh, we ran for any for everything. We would go to riverbeds. We would go everywhere chasing things, you know. And in the process, you know, I think I might have mentioned to you that we jumped a herd of pigtails. I mean, pigtails, pigs. Well, pigs. Oh, dang. Oh, uh, there you go. Yeah. Yeah, we did. Where was and this? Where was this? This was in Lake Kachuma area. Oh, dang. In okay. Los Padres, around the Santa Barbara area, you know? And they were game. The problem was, but they were smart, too. I remember they attacked this big one. This is like a 400-pounder. It was big because it had hooks and everything on it. And this pig just flung them like it was nothing, but they were smart. And so they started going after the piglets. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Good eating anyway. (laughs) Yeah. But, you know, we realized at that time that they were not the dogs to hunt pigs with. (laughs) As it turns out, Michael, I don't, you haven't met Michael, but you, maybe you did. Michael, from maybe that inspired him, but later on in his life, he uh, he got catahoulas. He went to Louisiana and he got plots, and he was working for the National Conservancy and and he was hunting pigs in Catalina, you know. Oh wow, yeah, that Catalina yeah, he, pig yeah, hunting he, is he, pretty he, famous, yeah. actually. <laughs> mm-hmm. He went there, and he, I think if you were there and you saw some of the catahoulas, those were the catahoulas that he left. Because I remember the National Conservancy gave him a ton of money and he went to Louisiana mm-hmm. and brought these dogs back. And so I think he left the dogs after he left um, working there for a while. But, you know, we came to the realization that, yeah, you know, these Afghan, these Afghans, although they were in the head, they're, they're pretty ferocious. I mean, they're pretty tough. But that depends on the lines, of course, that you get. But we realized that it was much too dangerous. These guys, they don't have the firepower. Um, they're quick, but it, I didn't want to do it anymore because I love my dogs. You know, I've a pig is not dogs. a hare. Yeah. You know? It's not, it, it really isn't, you know? So or I guess a hare is not a pig, I guess is how I should have worded that. <laughs> Yeah, and without well, without having like the yeah, I'm sure you didn't have options for like cut gear at the time and vests and and the like because I'm sure they could catch them and probably put teeth on too. Um, they mm-hmm. may not be the breed to, to hang, you know, mm-hmm. from a large mm-hmm. animal and try and control the head. Um, mm-hmm. But without mm-hmm. cut gear and only like you know, oh, how many did you have? Only one Afghan at the time. 
Oh, no. Uh, well, at that time, we had a pack. I think we had... I think we had like four or okay. in a token gray in a token greyhound. Yeah. <laughs> they find their <laughs> way token in greyhound. <laughs> <laughs> There's always a token greyhound in there somewhere, you know. And you know That's great. I love that. <laughs> and then we we would heck, you know, we would go all over the place. We would go to Panamint Valley, you know, we would go to Lancaster and those areas to run the Afghans with always with one Afghan with one greyhound. Poor Greyhound, she never had any help. It was like the Afghans would take left and right turns to try and catch the hair, but they couldn't. And so I get to this point because it's kind of really important. So I always knew that original Afghans were great hunters because the stories that I had read and eventually after talking with people in Pakistan and Afghanistan, they would tell you that these guys were very swift. And in many cases, as swift as a Saluki. And so we looked for the best Afghans in the country, but there were, we hit we hit like a wall. They could only do so much. I mean, the dogs that we had in those days uh, through various breedings, we upgraded, but we only got to a certain point. And what you need, of course, to run a hare is you need speed and you need the ability to sustain it and so now these guys we would always say oh yeah they can run in three they have three gears but that was it you know and so sometimes they would get lucky if they're running with a faster dog and they hung in there but i think we recognize that the afghan in the united states through its breeding practices and the things that people wanted to use them, which was show, they had bred out a lot of the athletic abilities. Mm. And what year was this? Oh, it's a good question. I knew you were going to ask me that. Uh, I'm thinking in the 90s. Okay. So when and I was a wee it, boy. <laughs> yeah. And so we were, I remember, so I meet, I meet this gal in Chicago, beautiful gal. And I convince her, I don't know how to move to California with me. And I moved into this place called Merced, which is loaded with rabbits and alfalfa, but we lived in this little dumpy house. I can't believe it. She moved there. <laughs> and I was right. And I was running my Afghans there and, I used to go to dog shows a lot because I like dog shows. I like dogs. And I met this weightlifter from Holland and he was telling me about racing Afghans in Europe. And he wanted to see my Afghans run. And so he came to see him and he goes, he was impressed that they came back. <laughs> you're laughing so hard he's impressed that they goes, came back oh, that's very nice that they come back but they are slow you know <laughs> and then you know further research the racing afghans in europe they resemble more of the country of origin afghans because in they selected for athletic abilities. Yeah, like racing greyhounds. And I mean, that's yeah, one of the things exactly. that's kept the greyhounds such a potent, 
potent yes. hair coursing dog is the injection of track dogs into lineages of greyhounds. Mm -hmm. And so he promised us, you know, to keep in touch with us. And eventually we had, we got this dog from him, this female, and we bred it to our stock that we had, our boys that we had. I remember we bred her to two different boys. And the differences was night and day because now we could go into Merced and hunt with people. Now we weren't beating Salukis or Greyhounds or Whippets because in those days, Merced, those dogs were, they were just great dogs. Those, these guys that are running in Merced on Navka, on, on Hares, you know, they had been doing this for years. Merced is them, like the cradle of of a lot of coursing culture in Western America. That's, yeah. Of everything, too. You know, you, I used to run into, you know, half and halves, long dogs, you know, you name it. They were always hunting in that area. And so, but these Afghans were capable now of hanging in there and they caught rabbits but i gotta confess they caught rabbits up in northern california where the rabbits were a little slower but still they were turning them and working them you know mm -hmm. and you were asking about funny so you were asking me about a funny story too i remember you asked that, so i gotta put that in there so at that time too um uh while i was running afghans i also ran borzois I, I got attracted to Borzois because my late wife loved Borzois. So we had Borzois. We had this pair, these two dudes. I mean, they were amazing dogs. Um, one of them can pick him up on the run. He was an amazing boy. He could run him down, and if he could catch it, with four, he'd catch him within four or five turns. He'd catch him and pick him up. He just had a great mouth, which is very unusual. Well, everybody thinks that because you have a sighthound, they have great mouths, but they don't. A lot yeah. of them are very fast, and they turn, and then they turn, and they can't pick up the hair. It, it, everybody just assumes, oh, yeah, they'll catch him. No, not necessarily. But this one guy could catch him. The other one, Victor, he was a little bit slower. He was really bright. So one day we go into this hunting field. We get off of our trucks and we see this three-legged stiff rabbit. And they see it. So we walk into the field coursing. We might have gone in about a mile or so. And he's on the line. Rabbit breaks to the left. He goes on it. Then he loses and then he turns to the right. And I'm thinking, what the heck is he doing? And I could see the judge because he's up real close to us on top of a truck and he's laughing. And here comes Victor back. He's got the three-legged rabbit. What is so funny though after this is like the judge gives him a kill credit. And I'm saying for catching what? a three-legged rabbit. What the heck? And he goes, well, he remember where this rabbit was. And I go, well, that's not how it works. <laughs> but he goes, he brings back the, stiff, the same rabbit. That was Victor. Well, he eventually got his rabbit because he got one in the ditch. You know, he dug one out of the ditch. It ran into the ditch and he dug it out of the hole and he got his kill credit. But those Borzois, that, those were the Borzois. Because um, I had mentioned to you earlier 
that you know I I love I love I love the Borzois. Oh, very different. Oh, but we won't go into details of why they have. I think through some of the breeding practices that they have uh, digress. They're so, not what they used to be. But anyways. I wanted to ask you if you had dipped into any country of origin blood with your Afghans. And if you oh, could give a oh, very... Yes. Yes, yes, good question. Because there's a so lot of that country of origin stuff with Salukis, you know. Yes. And uh, there's yes. a lot of good blood overseas that can be injected yes. into these dogs. And I also wanted to say that there's some really nice lines of Salukis in America that have European racing blood injected into them as well. I have one yes. at my house, and that yes. sucker can fly. Like, he, he's yes. really fast, and, and he's built a lot differently. So, yeah, if you could yes. just explain that country of origin Afghan build and kind of what you think it injects into these American lines? Well, I think mostly I would say it injects in the European racing lines because here we have European dogs that are related to country and origin with a little dash of some German dogs called VDOM. So these guys from Europe, these racing dogs, they resemble a lot of the country of origin dogs. But I always felt that the country of origin dogs would even be better because there are shortcomings on the racing, uh, I felt, on the racing dogs. Like what? Well, I didn't like their small feet. Um, and also, you know, coursing, as you well know, it's the ability to sustain form. And these Afghans, these racing Afghans, I mean, uh, I still have the 12 year old, the guy that's looking at me across it, who he, he's killed over a dozen rabbits. Now he was fast, uh, but you could see it where he would hit the mile marker where he would start losing form, but he'd hang in there with Salukis and different breeds because he knew he could do it. So he caught rabbits. I always tell a lot of this to people that go, yeah, you can have a really athletic dog, but there are some dogs that are even slower, a little slower, but they just seem to hang in there and hang in there. And then when the time comes in, boom, they swoop in for the kill and they don't forgive. And that was this Afghan. He could do that. But I always felt that there were even better Afghans in country of origin. So I always I made friends from all over the world. I made friends from Pakistan and Afghanistan. So I got to be friends with this guy uh, from Pakistan who he was well-to-do banker and he wanted to save the breed, but we got to be good friends. He had brought Afghans into Europe uh, with this lady in Switzerland who called them Kalaktazis. And she refused to be part of the community because they accused her that the dogs were not Afghan. Things don't change, you know. In Europe, it's really bad. You know, country of origin, uh, dogs are frowned upon them. They're not real, you know. They're not the real thing. But that's a different story. So I stayed in contact with him. And one day he said, I have an Afghan for you. And you, I don't think you've ever seen Kabul, but I got an Afghan from Afghanistan. And... He's long back, 
got good feet. Likes to sleep in the couch. So I don't know if he was really a ferocious dog like they claim he was. <laughs> <laughs> but we used them. We saw, we used them recently and we got some, I'm telling you, we got some phenomenal dogs. I don't say this. I don't like to say what my dogs are going to be like because you, you never know until you see them, what they're doing. You can think, you know, that this is what they're going to be like, but until they actually get out there and run, you don't know really what they're going to do. But this is the first time where I'm going to say these dogs and they're just five months old now, but oh, these wow. dogs are, these dogs are already, uh, they're just doing things that I have never, ever seen Afghans do before because so it's hard to explain, but when you see a hunting dog and you probably know when you see a hunting dog, there's quick reflexes, eye coordination, there's different things that they're doing that are different than non-hunting dogs. It's like, they're aware of their environment. They're, they're, they're sharper. Like, okay. Yes. They're sharper. Yes. And and these guys exhibit all these kind of things. It's like, yeah, we talk about eye coordination and everything and eyesight. Well, I always tell people that said, just because you're a sight hound doesn't mean that you see things. Yeah, it's true. You see things better than other sight hounds. There are Some... sight hounds that smell things and see that, are, that make no mistake when they're coursing. You know that. There's some dogs that people say, oh, he's lucky. It's lucky. It's lucky. And I go, no, they don't. <laughs> it's not luck. It's like they're doing things. They're reading rabbits. They see things. They know where to move. They know where to go better than others. I can't explain it. No, I just it's true. It. I, I think that's brains. And, and that's something that you really can breed for. But I also think brains comes with a lot, just putting a lot of hairs in front of them. You know, the ones mm -hmm. that get hunted the most will typically yes. be good dogs if they have the genetics mm -hmm. to be a good runner. And I really, really liked what you said earlier. And it's something that kind of resonated with me when I first started doing this from some older experienced coursers like Dean Bohannon. He really drilled this into my head. He said, Seth, not all sighthounds have good mouths. He's like, there's a lot of dogs that will run beside a rabbit, run along with a rabbit. They're just chasing a rabbit because they want to chase a rabbit. He's like, mm -hmm. it, you need to never breed a dog that won't pick a rabbit up. He's like, mouth mm -hmm. is important. And so mm -hmm. like when you said that too, I was like, yeah, I, I mean, I think that's a true, honest assessment that just because it's a sighthound, that doesn't mean it mm -hmm. wants to gobble up a hair, you know? Yes. And you know, what I found out about these racing Afghans is that they're very intense. It's, it's interesting. I, I wrote about this before that it's ironic that in a country where hunting well, you you cannot hunt in in Europe. Maybe you can in Hungary. I think they are starting to open it up for the Hungarian greyhounds. But every other part of Europe, you can't legally hunt anymore. They banned it. So in an area where hunting is not allowed and only racing, they somehow managed to preserve those hunting qualities because all these racing dogs that we have that we, you know, eventually we started breeding from the, the two that we brought over from Europe, they're all intense. They're intense and they'll, they'll run and run and run and they run to, they run to kill, you know, 
it's like, how intense are they? It's like, I just had an incident recently where a bull snake got into my property and they were trying, they were trying to kill the darn thing. That's why I'm going to snake aversion classes. Because- <laughs> You're lucky it wasn't a rattler. You had a different yeah, story. Lucky because it's not a rattler because, you know, a rattler will not give you second chances. <laughs> you know, yeah. you can't bluff with them. They're just going to, you know, so I managed to get them away because I enticed them with meat. <laughs> <laughs> So they a came different into kind the house. of meat. Yeah, and I brought think... them into the. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, brother. I, 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 I totally into the cut house, you and you know, and I and I relocated the bull snake, you know. But I mean, this is the kind of thing they do, you know. They'll go and chase after anything, um, and that's that intense quality that somehow racing preserved. And... Well, it's that gameness, you know, to chase a, a lure. With everything yes. you've got, you know, drive yeah. or yeah, it's kind of like a greyhound because greyhounds were bred for chasing. They're supreme chasers, but at the same time, you know that you got to be careful with them because they'll run themselves into the ground. Absolutely. I mean, there, that you is know? what I was going to say, you know, it's interesting. It's a double-edged sword with that extreme gameness because hot mm-hmm. track dogs, greyhounds, hot bloods is what they're called in the coursing community. Everyone is that. You know, a hot mm-hmm. blood will literally run itself to death. I mean, they they are so, so intense. And it's interesting mm-hmm. that you say um, about how the racing Afghans have that tiny kind of cat-like foot. I wondered if when you're breeding these track Afghans, they start to mm-hmm. convergently evolve, if you will, towards that body form that track greyhounds have and the weaknesses that track greyhounds have, which is terrible feet, you know, not very good soundness in exchange for that intensity and, and speed. And you can so have tiny was, feet when you're running on a manicured track, right? Yeah. Exactly. You don't need and those tiny big. feet are. Yeah. Good. Well, <laughs> I think that's a good point because maybe perhaps, you know, you know, big feet and big paws, I think is not what you really want for super speed. If you're running track, that's not what you want. And so maybe the early Afghans they started with, I suspect they were because, but then, you know, I think about it because the Afghans, so how the Afghans in Europe got really fast is they brought a couple of Afghans from Afghanistan. Now the Europeans, um, a lot of them traveled to Afghanistan and a lot of them brought Afghans from Afghanistan. You know, they, they, Many of them, especially the Dutch, they were always in Afghanistan, so they were bringing back Afghans. But it's I never I will have to ask into this because all the racing Afghans in Europe have have small speed. However, with the small feed in my Afghans, I've never had toe issues or anything. And I think one of the reasons is is and I was t- and I was thinking this about my borzoi because not all borzois can run in this harsh terrain. And one of the things that I think what I accidentally stumbled upon is that if you train your dogs as little puppies to run in a certain type of terrain, their feet does and the tendons and everything adapts to that terrain. Yeah, I agree with that. I do. I mean, to a, to a limit. I feel like even though I've mm-hmm. raised my greyhounds in this rocky hill country in southern New Mexico, they can only do so much, you know? I mean... Oh. 
they're still, yeah. they're still 80% Greyhound, you know? So I need to be very careful with their feet. And I, I'm never, you know, I know you live in the Southwest and down here, it's pretty rugged. Um, the, even the prairies that are in Southern New Mexico, they're full of cactuses and rocks and holes and yeah. stuff. So I was going to ask you, you know, kind of what the, what your current bloodlines are and what you think their strengths and weaknesses are out here on, on real desert hairs and real desert grassland. Well, it's funny that you asked that because I was talking to some lady that wants to go out hunting. And I was saying, New Mexico is the perfect grounds for Afghans because Afghans in many ways, uh, they have just enough speed. They should have endurance, but they're like Jeeps. And so, you know, which makes sense because the terrains in Afghanistan are very similar, very similar to the terrains yeah. in New Mexico. So you select the specific dogs to run over rough terrain. So, yeah, you don't want to run a greyhound, like you said. But they're wonderful to see on a jack. Yeah, they but are. But <laughs> they break down. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah. Like nothing yeah. beats that. But come on, you know, you run in in New Mexico. Eventually, they're just not gonna. You know, that's why you really should have a galgo. Well, that's why I have Salukis <laughs> yeah. or, or Salukis, you know, because yeah. yeah. So I always tell everybody, you know, I go, well, the Salukis are the Kings of coursing in New Mexico for our breeds. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Of course. For so, our terrain. But I, yeah. But I'll tell you, so I think I'm going to be going on on the line here, but I think that these Afghans that we have bred to our Afghan dog, I was talking to your friend and our friend Shiri earlier, and I go, these guys are going to challenge Salukis, and they're going to challenge good Salukis because our current Afghans can beat Salukis. Not That's great why Salukis. I have you on the show today, right there. They could <laughs> beat good Salukis, not great Salukis. But these puppies that are coming out, I, I wish I could. I'll send you pictures of them. Well, we'll I run think, together this fall. I want to see yeah, them. And I, well, I said they'll be good Salukis. <laughs> but <laughs> I, great, you know, I don't care what you breed with these Afghans. You can't beat great Salukis. Great Salukis are just, oh, my God. They're just, I don't know. You know, they're running a mile. They're running two miles. And they're just warming up <laughs> no, they're just that, getting warmed up you and, and your country of origin dog you said his name is cabo right Kabul, yeah Kabul Kabul, Khan, yeah Kabul. um i know he's an import so i mean i imagine he's like crazy valuable financially and then like you know to your project there have you had a chance to course him or well, is he kind of kept him up just in case to get a few litters out of him first no you know the reason why i didn't do it so when i got him you know look Hunters don't give up their best dogs. Oh, yeah. They don't just give you their best dog. So yeah. when I got this guy from Afghanistan, I knew he had his little promise. He was a little older, five years old. People aren't going to give up their dogs. And so I got what I could get. And it yeah. was, and you know, his journey was kind of magical because, you know, he came, my friend from, from Pakistan knew, he knew warlords in Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. And so he went to this tribe and he procured this dog, brought him. He came in a boot of a car because it's literally illegal to get Afghans from Afghanistan. 
but he got him across the border, got him into Pakistan, and he nursed him and brought him back to life. And it just happens that at that time, the rabies rules came in. So he came from a, he came from uh, he came from Pakistan, and he made it just in time that the rabies rules came in. And what was kind of also a little bit uh, kind of sad is like shortly after that, his village got overrun by the Taliban. So oh, it was like, man. yeah. So he he made it just in time. He made it kind of just in time. Well, I'll get up and I'll show you a picture of him laying down. So you can see him. Hang on. Here. This is the bonus of video, folks. <laughs> You'll and they'll they will it will be seen here. This will be on the Patreon page here. Can you see him? Oh, yep, I see him. That's Kabul. He's an Afghan boy. And, and, and when you <laughs> he lives in the front of he lives in the front of the of my house and he sleeps in the couch with me, but the Americans do not like him. <laughs> <laughs> They do not, my other males do not like him. It's kind of, it, it's kind of, so, well, Baraka stay over there. When, when so you, you put, when you put hands to him, what, uh, like, what are some of the noticeable differences with him and, and some of your others? Like, let me put him away. Uh, let me put him away. Hang on a second. Yeah. Get in None of us know Sorry, what Cabo. it's like to have barking dogs. I, you know. <laughs> They don't, they'll never, you know, these guys will never accept them. You know, the, the, these guys will never accept them, which is kind of sad, but um, he's different. You know, I like to say, hey, you know, we're Americans around here. What are you bringing these foreigners around? <laughs> you know, they're just not accepting him. So you were asking about putting my hands on him? Yeah. When you put your hands on him, what are some of the noticeable difference? I'm just, I've, I'm always curious uh, and none... I'm not even saying this is wrong or this is right or anything, but like this dog that you got from, you know, the country of origin, when you put hands mm -hmm. to him and you, you know, down his back or uh, uh, his shoulders, his feet, uh, maybe the coarseness of the coat, uh, do, are there any noticeable differences? That's well, you know, so the thing that one must understand about Afghans from Afghanistan, there, there's variety. So there are different types, which yeah, makes sense because yeah. It yeah. makes sense because, you know, breeders will breed what is successful in their region. You you breed what works. And so different regions have different things. Different people have different tastes. What is different about him is that he's got long back, mm -hmm. which is good because long back is what, and with a, with a great stride and that's what I noticed about him. No, I didn't run him on a rabbit, but the times that he would run, you could see the easiness that he did everything because fast dogs are not fast dogs because they're moving their legs a mile a minute. Fast dogs is because they're covering ground in an efficient way. Long strides. They have great reach, you know, as, as, as has been yeah, mentioned. Yeah. And they make it. They make it look easy. You don't see their legs moving really fast. But you, how do I know this? Well, I had two Afghans. I had the world European racing champion. She was the only American dog I bred her to go to Europe and compete in the world championship of racing and win it. it was the only American dog wow. to ever do that. What That's, an honor! Yeah. That's awesome. That's really yeah. cool. 
Well, yeah, I remember, I, I remember I was, they have like a before it was like the Olympics. You went out with your flag, you know, and I was marching with the American flag, you know? And I remember when she was racing, everybody was saying America, America, USA. They were all rooting for her because it was the first time. And she, she won. Uh, well, so her, this was Kepi. And so Kepi was a good rabbit dog too. And then she ran, I remember she ran with Junior, that 12 year old male who could catch a lot of rabbits. And I, uh, Michael would do most of the slipping and I would always accuse him of pre-slipping because Junior would always beat her. <laughs> he would always beat her and I'm always looking for excuses. No, you can't beat the world championship dog, blah, 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 blah. But he, he would beat her. And what I finally realized about him was that, well, Junior had that intensity to catch this rabbit. He was a smart dog, but he had a long efficient stride and for every stride he would take. And if you add it up, let's say you add 10 strides, it makes a difference when you're running against a dog, like, you know, for example, Kepi, because you could see that he would add a body length. Does, is it make sense what I'm kind of saying? Yeah. Yeah. He, he's got that a more efficient, efficient movement. Long stride, he would see yeah. a body length and even body length in front and it adds up and it adds up. And the next thing, you know, He's like 10 body legs in front of her, you know, and you're saying, how is that working? Well, it's that efficient long yeah. stride. And I got I, two. And I think that that. I got two yeah, Salukis go that, that are very like that. I mean, so I got one yeah. from a, a, a great person named Carol Lanero and he's yeah. a big, powerful, long, you know, well-muscled dog. And my other dog mm -hmm. Strider that I got from Paul Domsky, he's a compact, small dog tight type dog and yeah. man comet when he gets up and moves he is just i mean his back is way more flexible and long and that sucker mm -hmm. covers ground i mean he he is fast he's definitely one of the fastest salukis i've ever seen and he can freaking boogie and that's the same thing when you slow down that footage of him running you can just yeah. see how big and open and powerful his stride is it's ironic that he's not named strider <laughs> yeah but is that, yeah. is that orly that's orly's brother right Correct. Yep. Well, there, there, there is a reason why also he's very good too, is because I've seen his mother run and to my eyes, that is the best Saluki I have seen in modern time. Wow. She ran, Thanks. I saw her running against some of the best Salukis and just beat him. And the, but the thing about this dog, the mother, she came from Europe. Yeah, she's got a lot of racing blood in her. Yeah. Yeah, but so you know that the reason why a lot of these European Salukis are good is because they have a pipeline to Turkey and Iran. Mm -hmm. And so all these dogs are, most of them, the good ones, are from Iran. Yeah, which Strider is too, as well. That's where most of his yeah. blood comes from as and well. So that's, and these guys, these guys, I mean, you know, they're, you know this, they're freakishly fast. They are fast. They're, yeah. they're, they're just amazing dogs. I mean, some of them I think are, they'll hang in there with a good, good, good greyhound. And if you can, as a Saluki, if you can hang in with a good greyhound, uh oh, 
<laughs> Brandon, you better grab that rabbit quick because that Saluki is going to go by you and just keep going. I need to. Pronto hasn't got the memo yet. He's still leading the charge at six. He's a <laughs> he's a beast still. But I know what you mean. There are some fast Salukis out there that, yeah, I, I agree that th their quality hasn't, at least from what I mean, I am very young in this game, especially with uh -huh. Salukis. So, but at, at, with people I respect immensely, people like Karen, people like Paul, you know, that the, the quality of Salukis and Steve Downs too, he's talked about how the quality of Salukis in the last 30 years has improved enormously. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. And so yeah. that I'm lucky to be bearing all that fruit. <laughs> to, to be biting into that crisp apple of good salukis mm. <laughs> yeah I, yeah you know i i don't sometimes i think because i've had my chances to get salukis and i go why atkins you know and i think this because i think you might have asked this or somebody asked me this and i go why afghans well i think with afghans is you know maybe it's it maybe it's like you fall in love with somebody and when you fall in love with somebody, it's not about looks or anything. You just fall in love with them, you know, which is a I mean, totally fair answer. Important. I really love that kind of honesty and an answer. Also great job bringing the conversation back, Ernest. <laughs> but um, Yeah. I, I think that's one thing that like I get the coursing community. I, I, I have obviously enjoy being a member of, but people get really uh -huh. weird into their lanes about their type that they run. And they're like, uh -huh. Oh, you know, Abyssinian hounds can't catch a one footed rabbit or like all oh, greyhounds are terrible. Cause their feet are the worst. And I'm like, I, I don't really, I like, we can like it all. You know what I mean? Like I, I really enjoy the diversity and that's really why I wanted to have you on when people are like good Afghans, everyone's like, you should have Ernest on. And I really wanted to represent this breed and, 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 I just love how your answer is. I love them. That's why. Like you, you just like them. Like that's a great answer. You know. Yeah, and you know, and it makes sense because you know, we're we humans are attracted to different things. We like different tastes in food, different this and that. So why doesn't it make sense that we're attracted to different breeds, different things? You know, and I think. Mm -hmm. For me, that's the beauty of it all, because it's not even among the Afghans, you know, there's variety within the Afghans. And you know that there's variety in those country of origin. Salukis, they don't all look the same, you know. Right, right. But but, but there's Salukis, you know, if we want to call, put a label on them. But that's the beauty of it all, because, you know, I, I think a lot of it why maybe one reasons why i feel this way is because i'm an army brat you know my dad was in in the navy and so when you're in the military base and you're going to schools there you see people from all over the world you know you see people from everywhere and so you get you get used to seeing different types you know and you you appreciate it because each each one always has a little story to tell yeah. You know, something to add to add to the big common spice. And I think that's what it is with sighthounds. You know, they that all add to this big common, big common spice. Let me ask you something. I, I really want to know, uh, what are your goals moving forward? Because it sounds like you're really pushing to improve them as a serious contender for a hair coursing dog in the desert. What What are your goals moving forward with this new litter and, and your goals in general with, you know, North American coursing Afghan hounds? Well, 
you know, I'm going to remain and help people as much as I can, but I'll be honest with you. So because of, you know, my body starting to break down, you know, I need knee surgery. I needed a hip replacement. It's becoming difficult for me to walk out competitively. Now I can go off free coursing on my own and I will continue to do that. But I want to see the Afghans get to where I believe that they are possible of. And I want to see other people coursing them. As for me, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not saying I'm giving up coursing, but I think with me, I think I might've mentioned this before. So, you know, I don't know if it's appropriate. Well, it is appropriate to talk about it. So with me, the dogs have always been about God. You know, I, God has given them to me. He has put these guys. That's maybe why do I have Afghans? Because maybe God said, Afghan is your breed. And Afghans have come really easy to me. I have always had great Afghans and I always had access to them. And I think, wow, I've been very fortunate, but I know in my mind it's because God has said, this is your breed and I'm going to make it available for you. So as I get a little older and I'm concentrating, you know, as you get older, you start thinking about your immortality and you have to start thinking about not wasting time. So for me, it's a, it's about not wasting time in having a deeper relationship with God. But the dogs help me in that relationship because the dogs have taught me so much about humility, about responsibilities, devotion, because you know, one of the things about dogs is, have you noticed that they're very devoted to you? No matter what you look like, no matter what you smell like, they don't care. True. Mm-hmm. It's a great they're very devoted. Acceptance. And so, yeah. and so they have taught me that, you know? And so will I continue to be with the Afghans and be competitive? Yes. But the focus has shifted. Does that make sense what I'm saying? Yes, sir. And I think it'll make a lot more sense to me in maybe 20, 30 years after I've been doing it as long as you have. You know what I mean? I'm definitely trying to put myself in your shoes, but it's tough because I've only been doing it six years and you've been doing it for 50. I I don't think it's a question of time. I think it's just a question when the right time hits, you know? And look, People used to say, oh, don't you celebrate New Year's Eve anymore? You know, don't you go out partying? And I said, are you kidding me? I did that in my 20s enough to make up several lifetimes. It's crazy. You know, it's like I come from that other side where I, for the grace of God that I was able to do these kind of things. But I don't know how I could ever, I don't know how I could ever divorce myself of seeing a sighthound on our hair. It's like, it isn't a question about them grabbing it for me, but it's a question about the, the chase. Yep. It's that just, course is exhilarating. It's chase. It just, if you can't like that, I'm thinking, well, okay, you know, this is not for you, but it's like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm with you, brother, a hundred percent. And you're saying it a lot more beautifully than I do. Cause I'm just like, Oh my God. I, I it's so true. There's just something about that. 
it seems so silly and arbitrary because it's just a dog chasing a hare, but it's, it's, it's majestic. It's beautiful. It's this display of, of extreme speed and agility and endurance and tenacity and, and the yes. desert's just such a beautiful place, you know? Oh, I, I tell everybody, they go, Oh, well, we're thinking about going to coursing in California. I says, well, I lived in California for over 30 years and eh, don't bother. I says, you need to come out to New Mexico. I go, because I shouldn't say this kind of stuff, but I said, but even if you don't jump a hair, you still have a good time because it's beautiful. Because New Mexico rules. Mm. <laughs> That's why. It's like you're walking. I go, yeah, you know, you get a little tired. Your bones are aching and everything. But then you look around. You, you saw me when I was judging that hunt when you came up to me. And it was like, we worked hard for those rabbits. But I, that was my first time there. And I'm thinking, this is beautiful. Yeah, it was. It was you a know? tough day. Yeah. Holy smokes! <laughs> yeah. I, I, I know. I, I, I know. We're let's let's be honest about it. Yeah, it is beautiful, but you do want it. That to, sucked. You do want some action. <laughs> yeah, some we walked seven action. hours for three hairs. It was horrible. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know, I'll continue. I will continue to do that. I'll go out free coursing. You know, I'll. I'll take my dogs, uh, competitive wise. I don't, I don't know. You know, maybe I'll judge more hunts because I'm beginning to, I, 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 I appreciate the dogs running mm -hmm. and any chance I can get, I, I will judge Saluki's because, well, you know, let me ask you a quick question. This is, this is going to be some bonus material. I got to, this is a, this is a simple Seth question. <laughs> are you do you enjoy long dogs or are you a purebred kind of guy i enjoy all types of dogs yeah me too and, what what um I, if you were to make a long dog with an afghan what do you think would be for for our deserts here in southern new mexico what would you breed to an afghan wow good question well i have seen so michael had uh accidental breeding between afghans and a world class well wouldn't say world but it was a well-bred i believe it was dutch bahama or was it perceived one of those and he had, had an accidental cross between a saluki and an afghan mm -hmm. they were and they were more they were more greyhound type i will tell you that oh so okay so yeah dominated they were very good, but their temperament was really squirrely. They were different. Mm -hmm. And I've, but then I've also seen a greyhound and a borzoi cross. We, How was that? He had a, well, that dog was a killer. <laughs> wow. Dang. And yeah. It was one puppy. It, it was born in our house. And that dog, I could see why, I could see the difference of it because. It was a little, it, he was a slight dog, but he was difficult to deal with because he would go after other dogs too, but he was really intense. So the combination of a Greyhound and a Borzoi can be very, very good. I was thinking the Greyhound to the Afghan would possibly increase that just speed phenotype. I, I really, I guess it sounded like to you that or from what I've gathered from you, from, you know, this chat and, and others is that the Afghan was kind of what you would think it needed was a little bit more speed. They had good distance and, and good hair sense, but 
yeah, I was wondering like crossing it to a more high powered speed dog may increase that line speed, but then you got to obviously oh, weigh in it, those it, fragility. Well, it, it, it has been done. So the, a lot of the Afghans and Pakistan guys are crossing with greyhounds. Mm. Cause isn't like lure racing really that. popular in Pakistan as well with like really they high like powered straight dogs. Yeah. Yeah. They do like to race. And I was surprised that there are a lot of greyhounds in Pakistan and they race for money. So why are they crossing to Afghans, uh, greyhounds to Afghans? Well, maybe, you know, with them is like a lot of them. So hunters in it. So maintaining breed specifics in Afghanistan and Pakistan is becoming very difficult. The old ways are dying out. So to find, and this is what Gail Goodman told me about Salukis too. He says, you will not find Salukis in Saudi Arabia that are no, that are not intermingled without Salukis from all over the world. Those days are gone to find true COO Salukis is nearly impossible. Yeah, that's true. The so globalization the, the, has just changed everything. That's right. And the Western ways have clipped then. And what are the Western way? Well, I can ride around in a Jeep. I want to have races. You know, they'll have races of 500-yard races, you know, and mm. bet, you know, with all types of breeds. So uh, so the, the tribal people that used to hunt in the ways of life, are they're not there anymore. Mm-hmm. There's no need to go and hunt for your dinner you know now it's a sporting type of thing Mm because you know well Cabo came from a tribal village but i saw where he was living he was living in people with jeeps and trucks you know it wasn't you know so it's not like not subsistence anymore and that's a great point i I was kind of making that point you know chad and i were talking about this a while ago and I've kind of been mulling this over my head now that, and, and again, I'm I'm just an infant in the Saluki world. So this is just my superficial kind of view on a man that hunts his dogs a lot, you know, is that I think mm-hmm. greyhounds are a superior running dog, but I mm-hmm. really feel that Salukis are a better hunting dog. If that makes sense. They, they seem to have just a better. Yes. They're, they're, they're so much more durable. If I was in the apocalypse, I'd want Salukis, not Greyhounds, because the Salukis can hunt every day in like way harsher conditions. And they are not going to kill themselves chasing an animal. You know what I mean? Which I think yes. the, the Greyhound is a superior running machine. But I yes. just I definitely would not want one if times were really tough, you know? Well, you know, that that's a good point that you bring up. So, you know, I was talking with Gail once. You need to meet Gail Goodman if you haven't already. Because she wrote this beautiful Magnus Opus book on Salukis. And she went all over the area looking at different Salukis. But she once told me that there is a difference between a coursing Saluki that Nafka requires to win than a hunting Saluki. A hunting Saluki, and these are the which I consider them Salukis, Tazis, for example, they would have a hard time winning in, in the coursing environments that we do with points and whatever we're asking for. But in country of origin, and what they do is, because I've hunted with them, they'll run a rabbit, and yeah, they'll get beat by a fast Saluki. Second day, they might, they'll still get beat. But on the third day, 
that's when they start coming. They can run one rabbit, two rabbits, three rabbits. And they can possibly go for another fourth. And they'll go on and on and on for days. And then Saluki start breaking down. They start breaking down mm -hmm. because the Salukis that we have selected in the United States, I believe personally, are for com com competition. Sporting dogs. Sporting yeah. dogs. And you only need to run really two times a day. So that, you know, so if you were to hold a six day event, I really believe that a Tazi, you know, Steve Bodio, right? Yes, sir. The dogs that he had, those types of dogs, I call them, uh, what do you call Tazis? Yeah. Those mm -hmm. are the type of dogs that'll run six days. And so Gail would tell me, that's a hunting Saluki because what people would want in country of origin early on, they would want a Saluki that could hunt and kill rabbits 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 and day in and day out. And they'll go out one, two, three, four days. In Russia, what they do with the Borzois, they go to these... Uh, They'll drive, they'll drive a thousand miles to this one area to hunt. They mainly, most of them come from Bosco. And I was surprised because they'll go for a whole month, of course, uh, running hares. And they don't go one, two hares in a day. They'll hunt for the whole week on and off. Maybe they'll rest. You know, that requires a different type of dog. You know, that requires a dog that's durable. I mean, and I think when you think about it, that's what the, those long dogs remind me of being that way. They can go in day in and out. I've seen them where they can go one day, two days, three days, you know, if they don't have a big grueler, of course, you know, grueler will take anything out. So there is a difference between coursing and hunting. Because coursing I'm glad is I was on a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> and, and yeah. To kind of tie in everything we're saying here, uh, again, I, I, I run side hounds, but i I haven't immersed myself in it like Seth or and nowhere close to you <laughs> by any measure. But uh, that's something not what I, I heard. I I hear you have salukis. <laughs> I do, I do, and I'm very proud of my dogs. And I'm 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 more of a generalist. I'm just I don't I don't ever want to come in here and say, Hey, this is Chad Reynolds, a side hound expert. I'm talking with Two people that know that venue way more than me. But here's here's my thoughts on it, because I've heard, you know, greater men than me uh, in this venue talk a bunch. And uh, the way I've tried to consolidate it in my head is if I were mm -hmm. if someone were to put a metaphorical gun to my head and say, hey, you need to catch the next jackrabbit that gets up. I would probably start looking really hard at the greyhounds, you know, like really, really hard. But if someone were to say, <laughs> I need you to catch uh 15 this season yes. you know with the same dog That's... i'm gonna stop looking at them immediately and start looking at another dog and this is where i'm gonna shut up and not talk about a breed but mm -hmm. my eyes would be looking at a, a definitely a different dog and then something mm -hmm. that i've been really curious about when and like that i've been trying to kind of pick at and 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 tease and see if you can share this with me is uh, i believe we're kind of gearing leaning I, i'm seeing in my short time i'm kind of seeing that some of these different breeds are are going towards more towards the side hand like right now right we're results right here short term 
but they burn mm-hmm. out, they break down, they fall apart, you know, whereas yeah. a, a subsistence, you know, a hunter that is, is feeding himself with it, um, mm-hmm. isn't going to need that, that freaking bottle rocket, that crazy, uh, the heck with my feet, my break, my bones, yeah. I'm going to catch it. And they're more, I, I imagine if you even mentioned that to them, you're like, yeah, this one broke down at six years. I mean, they probably laugh and be like, why, what do you want that for? You know, like I need something that can do the same job at year one for the bulk of its life. Would you feel that that is kind of like how things are going? We're, we're getting away from more of the, the durability, the soundness, the, the efficiency, the natural retrieve, and, and, and getting more to the, I'm going to catch that rabbit right now. And if it destroys my body, it's going to happen, you know, and then they can't do the two day, the three day, the four day hunts. Well, yeah, you make, I think you're very correct in this. And I think a lot of it is because, well, I can only see it from my eyes, you know, cause I don't, but I, I do know because I have a few friends that run long dogs and they want a dog that can run one, two, three, four, you know, they want a dog that's durable and do that. But since I'm in now, I want that out of my Afghans. I want my Afghans to have more durability and I want them to have, you know, the ability to run one or two or three rabbits, you know, and not be broken down. Mm -hmm. But I think because we run organized hunting, we, we want in order to win, we don't need a durable dog anymore. What I tell a lot of people when I judge is that I go, what kind of dog do you need? I go, well, you need a dog. As far as I can see with my binoculars, it can give you points. If it goes past that one, sorry, I'm not going to see anything. I don't know how people see, Ooh, I could see the rabbit doing this and that. And I go, really? <laughs> you know, so, <laughs> so in the way, or the way Nafka has been going with coursing is in Seth saw it is like, we're finishing hunts with dogs that maybe ran a little bit longer than another dog, you know, and we finish on prelims. And I'm afraid that we're gearing to a dog where we don't need, uh, we don't need that sustainability, the ability to run, uh, you know, often like you had mentioned now we need a dog that all he needs to do is run twice in a day you know maybe you know he he, his course doesn't have to go long because and the judge doesn't see that far because one of the things about new mexico is because of its terrain you can only see so much Mm -hmm. hooves or wheels that's what you need really i mean that's the only way that's right that's what what you do oh they're out. Hang on a second. What you do when I, when I was thinking about it is like when you're running your wheels on you're running, you're driving your wheels and you're watching the course, I'm thinking about it. And then I, I'm remembering an incident watching my Afghans run a rabbit and I was following it on the Jeep. I got to see things in their eyes. Yeah. It's I amazing. Seen. It's amazing. I think I saw that in the photos that you took too. You took some photos while you're following them on that. And I'm, mm-hmm. th- I'm, and I'm thinking, 
you don't see that unless you're right up there, you know? Yeah. It's, I feel very fortunate. You know, I can't always hunt uh, what I say mounted right uh, on wheels. I can't always hunt that way, but when I have the places that are available to me to use that vehicle, that's where we tend to kind of flock to, because to me, I can analyze those dogs start to finish every single time. And I have a really dense library of data about how my dogs run as individuals late in the chase. And like you said, it's very hard to see what's going on on an animal the size of a football, a mile and a half away, you know? Yeah, we, we, I know Sherry and I were talking about that and, you know, that's why Sherry wants to get a drone. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's a good point. Cause a lot of the places where I have to walk, that's what I yes. want is a drone. But then I end up driving three hours to go to private property to drive my buggy. And I'm like, man, I could just save a lot more money and hunt close to home with a drone. <laughs> so, yeah. You know, so I don't know. I know I gave a, maybe I didn't answer the question that Chad asked correctly, but yeah, I do see the breeds because we are selecting, you know, we breed for what, for some, we breed for what wins and the task at hand. It's kind of like with the grounds in Ireland. Somebody said, oh, they're not grounds. And I go, yeah, they're grounds. They selected for park coursing. They don't need a dog that's going to run, you know, with endurance and work and work and work. They just need a dog that has a long run up and turn because the points add up. That's all they need. Is that a greyhound? Yes, it's a greyhound. They select it for what they need. You know, yeah. if, if an Irishman was in New Mexico, he'd breed greyhounds that, that, that would run in New Mexico. Tough feet better. Yeah. And that's where I think long dogs have really evolved. People like David Heiss, Dean Bohannon, um, and, and others in the area, I keep, I say those two, they're kind of heroes of mine, but you know, um, they, they yes. really are breeding these very tough desert long dogs that I really admire. I want to ask you one last question, Ernest, yes, if there's one final thought that you have about the future of Afghans in North America as a hunting animal, I just kind of wanted to lay that out. You were getting, we're getting long in the teeth here. And I really wanted to, um, make sure I got the crux of anything you needed to say to the world about what you love about these dogs and where you think they're going to go as a, as a hair coursing dog. Well, I'm afraid that when Michael and I are gone from this earth, the Afghan as a hunting dog will disappear in the United States because that's not the emphasis of the Afghan lure coursing and these things chasing the lure are the one it's what people want. And I'm, I'm okay with that because, you know, this is what most people in the United States, they don't want to go hunting. They don't want to, they don't want to go out in the open field hunting. You could see that because there's not a lot of numbers, even NAFCA numbers are dwindling. So, oh, you muted yourself there, brother. There you go. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't see it being something that's going to last after us because we've been doing, I've been doing this for over 30 years and I've tried everything in my power to get people to come out with their Afghans to just even watch. I even told them, I can put you on a road and you can park your RV, bring out your lawn chairs, get your drinks, and I'll run around you, a rabbit around you. And I couldn't get people to come out. 
there are a few people, less than a handful that have acquired some of our Afghans. And so this year in New Mexico, there will be some hunts and there'll be a hunt that I'm going to put it on, put on in January. I talked to you about it where I have Afghans coming from all over the country and we could see as many as 10 to 12 Afghans coming up between Michael and I, we have like seven. And then there's this Russian lady moved from Connecticut. She has one of our Afghans. She's going to hunt. There's uh, another lady that has two of our Afghans and they're going to hunt. So this is something I need we'll, to see. Yeah. We will have, we will have Afghans, but when Michael and I are gone, I, I don't see it existing anymore. And it, it's kind of a shame because um, I understand the shows and I understand what people wanted to do, but, and that's just the way of the world is we're always struggling to preserve what was original about what we were and what we are and with the dogs. And that's been always been my goal is to preserve as much as I can what these guys were in the early days. Now I can't, comp I cannot duplicate it. I mean, I, I go to a hunt in a nice car. I go to Denny's and I have last lunch, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm not, I'm not a tribal person, but, um, I can do the best I can. And that's why I think New Mexico is perfect because the terrain and whatever they're doing is the same, but, and I'll, I'll do the best I can and I'll share it with the best uh, anybody that wants to, you know, ask questions or be part of it. But I, I, I don't see the future of Afghans uh, being very bright. Uh, Salukis. Yes. Uh, Saluki, I think the future is okay, you know, because for various reasons that I, we don't want to go into, it's a breed that, you know, you can keep its original form uh, mm -hmm. versus an Afghan. I don't know if that all made sense. It, I mean, it did. And, and I mean, it was a, that was very heartfelt, first of all. I mean, I'm over, I'm over here just kind of sitting here and absorbing everything you're trying to say. And I guess there could be a push. I mean, this is just superficial. I know you think about this all the time, but just mm -hmm. a, maybe a, a push. And it looks like it sounds like you are working on that to to make the Afghan a respected, serious contender as a southwestern hair coursing dog here in America. And I mean, I think that's yeah. what would save the breed is that it's showing, proving that this animal can really run down hairs. And and so I mean, and obviously they can, they're a sighthound, but I think, you know, everyone just, yeah. So that was a good answer. And, uh, I really enjoyed talking about it and, uh, I, I'm, I'm Ernest. It was, it was, it was great. I, I really, I really enjoyed hearing what you had to say about it. And you've had a very interesting life with these animals and, and this won't be the last time we talk. I, I, I can't wait to come out to the, to the Afghan hunt. I really want to see this. So, uh, I, we'll keep in contact yeah, about yeah, that. Yeah. Yes, of course. Yeah. You're more welcome. And, you know, we go free coursing and I, I know you don't, you're not impressed where we course. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just spoiled. I, I was in the school of, I was trained and taught by the Heises. And so they, um they yes. put me through the ringer of what is a really good place to run. And so now yes, the problem yes, is my, inter, 
Yeah, my introductory is all if it they're like, if it's not a pool table and 10 million miles of grass, go somewhere else. And I'm like, okay, hey, yes, sir. <laughs> I would love to go. I that that's what I'm looking for when I hold this. I'm gonna hold a last year I canceled it because I didn't see a lot of hairs, but this next year year i want to do a hunt in january i talked to you about it and i want to f find a place where everybody can see their dogs running uh enjoy it and uh, i got people from all over the country coming uh i mean we'll i got talk. people from i got some good places in mind yeah it, yeah and i even have this afghan fellow who lives in in texas who hunted in afghanistan and he wants to come to it, you know? So I want to document it, uh, write up about it. And it's not going to be a competition so much as a, a readily it's going to be a friends. celebration of the Afghans running a, a hair in New Mexico. But for that, we need, we need the type of feel that you're talking about, <laughs> you know, where everybody yeah. can see it and enjoy it. I got know? a, I got a place a, in mind. I got a place in mind. It's about 10,000 acres and it's, it's perfect. Oh, excellent. 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 I will, we'll keep in touch and I'm sure I'll see you, uh, because, uh, you know, I, I plan to judge some Saluki hunts if they'll ask me again. And so I'll, I'll see your guy and I'm looking forward to the competition against her sister, Orly. Ah. <laughs> I, I got a I got a question for you. Um yes, sir. I, I I run entirely too many different types of dogs and in, in <laughs> and, and breeds and types and, and like I am the poster child from entirely too many hobbies, you know. And I have one trick ponies that are like considered the best in their their field. And I have I have other dogs that are more versatile and they're good at uh, a, a number of different things. And um, like, for example, in the bite world and the competition bite dog world, Belgian Malinois are some of the best. And then they have some German shepherds that um, can, can contend, but they have other things they offer. But in this high flying, high performance, really flashy testing scenario, man, the Malinois have got it wrapped up tight just because they fit into a, a, a testing system really, really well. So I'm paralleling the coursing environment here. You know, if we're going to put them in this testing environment, like you say, I need something that can catch it while I can still see it in the binoculars, you know? Um, so there might be breeds that fit into this testing scenario really, really well, you know, but that just because another breed may not test out um statistically as well it doesn't perform as well under these very specific parameters under a test i'm not downing tests either i love them they've given us some of the best dogs on the planet but like every you can't test for everything you know so with that said as a guy that appreciates the best dogs that hit the testing uh, situations as well as the dogs that may not test as well but has other things to offer that are incredibly valuable what is something that you love about the Afghans. It doesn't even have to be like their biggest point, the thing that sets them as apart and every, but like, what is it, you know, as, as an expert in the breed um, that seen, you know, the testing scenarios and the dogs that are high performers in the testing uh, scenarios, but you're still interested in the Afghans, you know, like just can you give me one or two things that just maybe the first thing that comes to your head, what makes you love that breed? Independence. Break that they down. Have an they have an independent nature. And I find that challenging because maybe it is because, you know, I've, 
my girlfriends and my wife, I had to really chase, I had to work hard for them. You know, it didn't come easy. And maybe that's why I like Afghans because Afghans are very independent. You know, they will not come back until they have had their rabbit. Mm-hmm. And they know where they're at too. Cause I remember this one time we were in, we were in this desert with all those big, um, the name, the type of cactus escapes me, but those really tall cactuses of, uh, of the Mojave desert. And so Saguaros? I was out coursing. What's that? Saguaros the or big tall, The big tall ones. And so we were out at the Mojave and I was with Michael and his brother, Tim, and they had they had refurbished this truck and they put a plywood platform on it. So we're out there running and I'm out there with my dog Jazz and I lose him and I can't find him. And so I'm walking and walking and walking, chasing him down. You know, it's getting warm. And I turn around and those guys are up on the top of the truck drinking beers, laughing. And I hike back and I start yelling at him. And I said, I lost my Afghan and you guys are just up there having fun. And he goes, Oh, Jazz has been back an hour and he's had his drink and he ate and he's under the truck. (laughs) (laughs) They know where they're at. They know where they're at, but they're not going to come in until it could be frustrating. But at the same time, I kind of like that independent nature of them. Hmm. But they're also, you know, you, you look at them and you think, oh, these I call them peludos. <laughs> I got a peludo at home too. <laughs> yeah, but they're but they're tough. They're courageous. They're courageous. They're tough. The, you know, they were they were dumb enough to go and attack a pig. You know, wild pigs and man, those guys. You know, it's like they are very courageous. You know, and they they do cement friendships with you. Um. But I think I, I I think that's what I like. I like their comical nature. They're they're fun to be around with. They're challenging. They're always challenging you. You know, I, I mean, all dogs steal for sure. But you know, these guys are jumping on. They're always observing me to drop my guard because you know my dogs live in the house with me. But mm-hmm. I like that. I like that mischievous nature. Does that kind of sort of answer? One of the yeah, things? it does. The dog? It does. I I can you know it's you've painted a picture in my mind of the not lonesome in a in a weak way, but like uh, the calm, silent, stoic type. You know, a dog that's not it's not needy. It's not gonna die without your praise. It it you know it it it'll take it because it likes you, but it doesn't need it. You know. That's perfect that you just said it right. They're not needy. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you painted the picture. I'm just describing it back to you, bud. <laughs> you, you know? said um, it right. They're not needy. It's like they could they could live without you. Well, they need you to feed them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they want their comfort. You know, I want to come in, you know, but that's right. They're not a needy dog. And and I like that about them, you know, because uh they're kind of like cats. You know how cats are. Mm-hmm. It's like they're the epitome of indifference. Oh, you know? I respect but, the heck out of self-reliance, you know? That's yeah, I actually really like yeah. that too in a hound because I got a bunch of them in the house and I don't want them all in my lap all the time. 
I got two snuggle bug hounds and the rest of them just want to lay around like a cat. They just want to be around you and that's it. And I'm good with that. That is great. You know? And so, yeah, yeah. I, I, I hear you and I agree with you, brother. <laughs> well, I guess this is it. I thank you for the interview. I, you know, I had some notes and I said, yeah, the heck with the notes. <laughs> so, I'll just go along. You did great, Ernest. This was and... awesome. This was awesome. Um, Thank you. Uh, thank you for asking me about the Afghans. And I hope that whoever sees this, you know, I'm not, I'm not expecting, you know, people to go in droves to get Afghans, but I do hope that they realize that they are more than what you see in the show rings. Now, mind you, I love show dogs. You know, I, I like them and some of them do read, some of the qualities but i want people to understand that afghans in country of origin were rough guys you know they they had to be tough because you know that that's a harsh life harsh yeah, they're not hanging out on your everything couch. out there <laughs> yeah yeah well yeah mine gotten mine have gotten a little soft, but there's still toughness in them. Uh, but you know, that's what the, you know, the heritage of an Afghan was, you know, they were, it, it, they, they I mean, some of them are still tough, but I mean, they, they live the rough life, you know? And so they have a lot of qualities that require somebody to survive in a rough world. I'm excited yeah. to see them. It'll be my first time ever seeing Afghans run. I love sight hounds. I love hares and I love learning and meeting new people. Yeah. So it's going to, it's going to do all the things I love. So thank you, Ernest. I, I really appreciate you coming on brother. And I'm glad we, we're going to do this again. I have some other, we have bonus episodes and some other things I'd like to have you on for in the future. So uh, this is not uh, goodbye. This is see you later, sir. So oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And next time, you know, we'll get Michael, you know, we, cause you know, this has been a partnership between me and my friend, Michael, you know, from high school. Yeah. And you yeah, know, it's been he, a long, you, fruitful friendship. You want to get his side, you know, he will deal a little bit more with the genetics and different things. And, you know, he, you know, so you want to definitely get him on, you know, but yes, uh, I appreciate, I appreciate it. And, be well. Yes, sir. And, well, and, and until then, everybody, it. hunt them hard and treat them like heroes. How many times do you hound doggers catch yourself thinking about an awesome hunt you had or retelling this great story with family and friends around the dinner table and all you have to remember that moment is some terrible cell phone picture or worse, no picture at all? Well, Houndsman XP has partnered with Rough Cut Company to help solve your problem and make beautiful pieces of art to remember for all time your experiences in the field. Rough Cut Company is an American-owned and American-made business in Wisconsin that specializes in custom, unique photo engravings on hardwood that are framed to any picture you want. They also do customizable antler dog chews and even beautiful, unique antler rings from their own red deer in Wisconsin. Rough Cut Company can do pretty much anything you ask. Their customer service is second to none. Give them a look at roughcutcompany.com and when you check out, make sure you check out with HXP 10% off to get a discount on your final purchase. 
Check them out, you guys, and support people that support Houndsmen and help keep us in the field and remembering those times forever. So yeah, now, <laughs> now yeah, I want to so- talk about Yeah, now <laughs> yeah, you can the, say what you wanted to say. <laughs> the, uh, I keep wanting to say loneliness. That's the wrong word. What the, what it, what, the, um, the aloofness. Aloofness or, or, uh, um, non-independence. That's the word he used, independence. And uh, you see that a lot with these really, really primitive breeds that are still kind of, sort of living, you know, the tribal lifestyle, you know? And, and I've, I've tried to wrap my mind around, okay, there it is. There's behavior. That's the behavior right there. You, we can mark it, right? They're like, it's almost like you yell at them and you're like, come here. And they're like, ah, and they take off, right? You know, like, and, and like, why, why are they all like, it's, it seems like the more primitive, the more that way they are, the more, you know, and I've been trying to wrap my head around that for a little while. And so this is just theory, theoretical stuff here talking, you know, I probably should have touched bases with you about this one first before <laughs> bringing it up. But I want, I imagine some of these breeds, what I like to say, they never very well. You know, like never get into the trash, never go chase that deer, never do, you know, never bite the thing, you know. So like when they do something wrong, you get on their butt one time, like, hey, get out of there. And they're like, gotcha, off the list, you know, but you can't make them do anything very, you know what I'm saying? Pick this rock up and bring it to me. Yeah, Yeah. You better pack lunch, man. (laughs) They they ain't going to do it, you know. But if you were to say. N- never stick your nose in this trash can. I-, I think they take to that really, really well, you know? So if they're living in the end, like I'm going to reach here in this tribal lifestyle where they aren't chained, tethered, or caged, and they're loose, a dog that gets into the food or gets into the this or causes problems is go- is going to die. Literally, yeah. you know, yeah. it's gonna they're gonna kill by it. human hands or accidentally. Yeah, yeah. they're yeah they're gonna kill it if it does things wrong. So like I think. I think this aloofness and the independence might, and again, just Chad's little theory here, might be a byproduct of that nevering really well. It's almost like, come here. And they're like, all right, there's aggression. I'm going to get away from this situation. Or, you know, and it, I find that with my little Saluki pups I got right now. I tell them one time, like, I could hang dog treats out of the lid of my trash can and they won't touch them. You know, like, yeah, just because I got on their butt one time, one time. That's all it took, you know? Like, yeah. Um, so and I don't know. That's just, the I also there. think that they just don't select for companionship quality. Like that's just not even anything that's important to a tribal nomad. Like mm-hmm. I want a dog that stays sound and puts dinner on my plate. I don't really care about all this other BS. Like, well, where to... do I stay? I don't know. Figure it out. Yeah, exactly. You know? <laughs> Go sleep under a bush. Cause you're not Go coming to my bush tent. Or, you know, <laughs> yeah. something, you know? Yeah. Uh, and so and that's a very broad brush and a hypothesis, but I definitely think that these ancient dogs, they live in, they're kind of a portal back in time to how our relationship with dogs has changed. Because, you know, you ask some of these people, I've been fortunate enough to know some great people in the Saluki community that have spent great time in the Middle East or have lots of contacts in the Middle East of these people that know people like Bedouins and and um, Tolaregs, like these nomadic peoples. And, you know, they don't have rabies vaccines. So you need mm-hmm. to be careful with dogs. I mean, they can yeah. bite you and you die from rabies. So you don't have them in the tents with you, man. Like you just don't, they're not clean animals. And so they can not be a clean animal in a more Mm -hmm. rural or pastoral setting. So I just think it's interesting how, yeah, the temperaments of these more ancient animals. Yeah. Kind of reflects our old, older 
much older values with dogs. So yeah. they're a cool time. That's why I made that meme with the caveman art of the yeah. of the four Salukis <laughs> catching that Barbary. Because it's like, yeah, man, that's that's hunting with sighthounds. I mean, it's this extremely old endeavor predating the, even the domestication of horses by millennia. So mm-hmm. anyway, I, I really enjoy. I can't wait to go to that, that Afghan hunt. Stay tuned, everyone. There's going to yeah. be footage, pictures from that. And uh, yeah, uh, that, that's all I got, brother. <laughs> that. Same here. Same here. I, I don't know. I, I feel like I got on sight hound stuff forever, but like uh, some of the things I, uh, let's save it for another one. Uh, I think, I think this one's good, clean and wrapped up, man. Uh, that was, that was fun. Stay tuned everybody for more all mixed up content. Uh, this one is airing. I'm in Canada right now as you're listening to this. So we will be uh, showing lots of awesome content on the Patreon page. When I get back, there's going to be tons of videos, tons of pictures, uh, from this awesome adventure in Canada, uh, Tukey Lodge, Babine, uh, Babine Guide Outfitters, you guys rock. So thank you so much and stay tuned, everyone. Chad, as always, my brother, thank you for joining me here. And uh, yeah, check us out, houndsmanxp.com. You guys, there's all kinds of cool stuff going on on the website. We've added all sorts of new stuff to the shop and content to the website to make it even more exciting and beautiful. So thank you, Shane, for making that an awesome place to hang out. And mm-hmm. uh, until then, you guys. Thank you so much for joining us here at All Mixed Up, and I look forward to seeing you guys next month with more great content. Later.